0: Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. I hope you guys had a great holiday weekend with your family or your friends or just by yourself, however you celebrated, and even if you celebrated, I hope you had an amazing time. I know that this year is obviously so strange for a million different reasons, but I hope that you were able to create a little bit of normalcy this past weekend. I know for me personally, this past weekend felt like it was two weeks wrapped into four days. It just felt like the longest weekend ever, and I am very happy that this new week is here. I don't know why. I've just never really been a weekend person. I know that that's probably the most unpopular opinion among all opinions, but not really a weekend person. Haven't really ever been. I definitely prefer the week and being busy and working and all of those things that usually people hate. So anyways, I hope you guys had a great day. Holiday weekend. That is what I've been trying to say in essence. And I also want to say thank you for those who reached out regarding last week's episode. I know there was a little bit of an audio malfunction with about 20 minutes of silence in between one of the ads and when we picked back up. Thank you guys for calling me out on that and also being understanding as to why these things happen. Sometimes they just do and we are always looking and working towards making the most perfect podcast for you guys as possible. So sometimes there's a slip up here and there. It happens. But thank you guys for calling me out and for making me aware of that. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode. Let's talk about today's case. Today's case is twisted, it's heartbreaking, and it's a case that happened fairly recently within the past year. So today we are discussing the case of the Todd family and what happened that led to 42-year-old Megan Todd as well as her three children, 13-year-old Alec, 11-year-old Tyler, and 4-year-old Zoe to be brutally murdered in late 2019. Let's jump into it. So to understand what happened here, it's really important to look at this family dynamic. Like I said, we have Megan Todd, who is the mother of Alec, Tyler, and Zoe, and she is also the wife of 44-year-old Anthony Todd. Anthony Todd is a man who ran a physical therapy business out of Colchester, Connecticut, and that is where the family lived for quite some time. However, they ended up moving from Colchester to Celebration, Florida, and according to Anthony, he has said that this move was prompted by Megan's health conditions. Megan had multiple illnesses, including Lyme disease and depression, and this caused her to need a lot of care and help. Help to treat her illnesses. Now, a direct quote from Anthony regarding Megan's condition states, quote, "I was determined she was going to get better, and she was. Though the good days were amazing, but the bad days were even more depressing for her." End quote. Now, regardless of the Lyme disease and depression, Megan was a fantastic mother. She was described as the mother of all mothers. She was said to be kind-hearted, she had a soft voice, and was described by friends as, quote, you could see the light and kindness from this woman, end quote. Megan was always said to be the type of mom that always was making homemade jam or had homeopathic remedies to share. Megan and her kids were described as being musically infused. They all loved to play the piano and sing together, and they also played the guitar as well. They had a music teacher that would come and visit their home every Monday and Thursday. And the music teacher remembers the family by saying, quote, Little Zoe, who is the daughter, eagerly waited for my arrival every Monday and Thursday. She would be at the door with Megan as she opened the door for me. I was greeted by the most sweetest smile and giggle. Zoe and my daughter became friends and were little twinsies in many ways, end quote. Now Alec, who was the 13-year-old boy, was described as more of the serious older brother, while Tyler was described as the more mischievous middle child. However, they both loved to come together and cause trouble together. They were super close in age, so they became very, very close. And they were also very protective of their sister, Zoe. So that is the family dynamic here. You have two parents and three children. They also had a dog and they lived in Celebration, Florida and for all accounts seem to be a very normal, relatively all American family. But there are a couple things that set this family back from being anywhere near normal. And we see this a lot with families of, they look perfectly fine on the outside, but behind closed doors, there are many secrets being held, and one of those was Anthony's childhood. It's important to note that Anthony did not have an easy childhood. When he was four years old, he actually witnessed his father try and attempt to murder his mother, Loretta, which I know is a lot to unpack, so we're going to do that now. One night in 1981, Anthony heard his mother screaming in the middle of the night after she had been shot by an unknown male in the house. Now, miraculously, Loretta actually survived this, and it was later unraveled that Anthony's father, Robert, who was a school teacher at the time, not only had his wife, Loretta, but he also had a 17-year-old old girlfriend as well as a separate fiancé, so he was juggling three different relationships. And after Loretta survived her attack, it was actually revealed that Robert, Anthony's father, and Loretta's husband had actually hired a 19-year-old student who attended the same school that he had worked at to murder Loretta. He said that he was going to pay him and according to the student, Robert gave him a gun as well as a key to the house and told him that he wouldn't be home on the night of the killing. Now, even though Robert claims that he was not home on the night of the murders, both Loretta and Anthony told police that there were two men in the house that night and Robert ended up getting convicted for this. Loretta ended up divorcing Robert, obviously. She went on and got remarried and raised her two children in Connecticut. She had Anthony as well as a daughter. And regardless of the evidence against him, Robert has always maintained his innocence and said, that he is not responsible for this. However, he did say that witnessing someone attempting to kill their mother probably impacted Anthony very deeply as you can imagine. So that was Anthony's childhood. He literally was in the house the night that his father had attempted to murder his mother. And this was such a planned out plot that his father had actually hired a student to murder his mother. So you can imagine the impact that that would have on you, especially at only four years old. Now, while this incident was not a secret, obviously there are public court records about about this this was not something that Anthony talked about it was not something that he shared with a lot of people and it was something that he definitely kept quiet about. Now, despite his childhood, the people who knew Anthony as an adult describe him as being a very generous man who always went above and beyond to help his clients at his physical therapy practice, as well as coaching soccer teams. He was the dad that coaches his kids' soccer teams, and he had his physical therapy practice, and when he moved to Florida with his family, He still kept the physical therapy practice in Colchester, Connecticut. However, he just ran it from Florida. Now, something that will come into play a little bit later is the amount of money that Anthony was known to spend. He loved to travel and was very, very generous when offering money to various foundations. However, he would never actually donate. So he would offer the money to the organizations and the foundations, but he would never follow through with providing them with that said money, which a lot of people have just concluded to be a way for him to boast about wealth that he did not have, but to put up this persona of the type of person he wished to be. So now that you understand the family dynamic a little bit better, we are going to jump to late 2019. So late December, early January 2019, and then early January 2020. And at this point, it had been weeks since any family members had heard from the Todd family after several attempts of reaching out via phone calls and text messages. So the extended family decided to have police do a welfare check at the family home in Celebration, Florida. Now, this first welfare check was done on December 29, 2019. However, the officers who did this check said that they went to the house and everything seemed fine, so they cleared the check even though it was never clear whether or not the officers spoke to Anthony during that check. Then, on January 10th, 2020, there was a second welfare check done. The officer who did this check said that he had knocked on the door several times, however, no one answered. The officer said he then checked the mailbox, and when he did, he found letters that dated back to January 6th, which told him that no one had gone out and picked up the mail in a couple days. This officer also spoke to a neighbor of the family who said that they had actually texted Megan on January 6th regarding an eviction notice that was left on the family's front door. Now, the Todd family were renting out a house in Florida, so they didn't actually purchase the home. They were renting it, and they had an eviction notice on their door and this neighbor said that she texted megan about the eviction notice and she did receive a response back the neighbor said she got a short okay thanks response however that was it then just a day or two after the second welfare check the tots landlord had actually called the authorities because they said that they saw on social media that the family hadn't been physically seen since Thanksgiving. The landlord said that they were concerned for the family as well as for their property and they also said they tried to get in touch with the family multiple times. However, they were not receiving a response and the landlord said that at first she just assumed that it was because they owed rent and didn't want to pay the money but when she learned that no one else had heard from them either. That's when the worry set in. So now we move to January 13th, 2020. It is absolutely mind blowing to me that a case like this occurred just under a year ago. At this point, authorities went back to the tot home for a third and final welfare check. And at this time, they also had an arrest warrant for Anthony regarding his finances, which we will dive deeper into as we continue. When the police arrived to the home, they said that they announced their presence several times at the front door, but when they heard no answer, they ended up just opening the front door, which was unlocked. When authorities got into the home, they said that they immediately smelled decomposing bodies. Once they were in the two-story house, the authorities saw Anthony, who started to walk down the stairs from the upper level. Police had asked Anthony if anyone else was in the home with him, to which he responded that Megan was upstairs sleeping and that they were not allowed to wake her up. Despite this claim, authorities walked upstairs and into the master bedroom, and this is when they saw the decomposing bodies of Megan, Alec, Tyler and Zoe. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Apartments.com's com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place all right you guys welcome back megan was found laying on the bed with zoe wrapped in blankets at her feet while alec and tyler were found wrapped in blankets on an air mattress on the floor Based off of the autopsy report, all of the family was drugged with lethal amounts of Benadryl. Along with the Benadryl, Alec and Tyler were both stabbed. Megan was also stabbed twice in the upper abdomen. Now, one thing that authorities noticed when the bodies were discovered is that these bodies had been dead for a long time time. The bodies were described as having a brown-green discoloration as well as a red discoloration on their face, and their feet were mummified. The bodies were all decomposing for so long that there was actually no blood available for any toxicology testing, so they had to use different fibers like their hair, fingernails, and things like that. Now, authorities immediately arrested Anthony at the crime scene because they had this arrest warrant. Then once in custody, he actually told authorities that he himself had consumed an unknown amount of Benadryl in attempt to commit suicide. So he was taken to the hospital, but ultimately he ended up being fined. The amount that he took was not enough to do any real damage. And then just several days after the bodies had been discovered, Anthony ended up confessing and saying that he was the one responsible for murdering his entire family. Once he made this confession, he was charged with four counts of first-degree murder and one count of animal cruelty because the family dog was also found deceased in the home. So at this point, you would kind of assume that it's a done deal. You have Anthony who's confessed. You have all of the evidence that you need. There really is no rhyme or reason to believe that Anthony wasn't responsible for this. Now, that was the whole idea and that is how everyone really presumed this to be up until June of this year. Just a couple months ago, in June 2020, while in custody awaiting trial, Anthony wrote a 27-page letter to his father, Robert, the same man who attempted to murder his mother, who at this point, has been released from prison. So Anthony wrote a 27-page letter and in this letter, despite his previous claims, Anthony claims that he is a hundred percent innocent and that Megan was actually the one who murdered their children before she ended up taking her own life. On the day of the murders, Anthony said that it started out as a phenomenal day It was the first time that Megan had woken up without being in any pain for months, and they spent time together as a family. Anthony said that later that day, he went out to a condo that him and his wife had owned to do maintenance work around it, as well as to pick up a Mickey Mouse necklace that his daughter had been asking for. So just to clarify, they had the house in Celebration, Florida, and they also had this condo, which is said to have sat right outside of Disney World. Now, Anthony said he went to the condo and he planned on staying the night at the condo. However, he decided to go back home once he realized that he forgot his tools. Once he got home, he said that he saw his two sons, Alec and Tyler, playing basketball in the yard and that he had joined them for a game and then he sent them inside once it started to get dark out. Anthony said that the boys told him that Megan was preparing dessert and asked him if he was going to have any, to which Anthony said no because he was trying to lose weight. Anthony said then after going home, he actually ended up retrieving his tools and went back to the condo, and he sat in the front seat of his car and took what he intended to be a small nap. However, he said he accidentally overslept and didn't end up getting back home until about 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Once he got back to his family home, Anthony said he walked in and found the remnants of a pie, which he said, quote, looked very good, as all of my wife's desserts were, but smelled horrible, end quote, to which he then added, quote, turns out it was a Benadryl pudding pie end quote anthony said that once he made this discovery he found megan standing at the top of the staircase as she confessed to murdering their children this is when anthony said that he then went and saw all of his children laying in their beds with no sign of a struggle and he then took a washcloth and wiped their faces and quote worked to make them look more comfortable end quote. He said while he was doing this, Megan came to check on him and told him that she, quote, released their souls, end quote, in reference to their children's death and why she felt she needed to do it. Now, at this point in his letter, Anthony said that Megan went back into their master bedroom and stabbed herself in her stomach twice and then continued to drink the entire bottle of Benadryl. Anthony said that he begged Megan to let him call an ambulance. However, Megan begged him to let her die and then Anthony said he did so because he couldn't find any cell phones in the house. Anthony said he, quote, tried CPR until I physically couldn't anymore, end quote. After Megan had passed away, Anthony said he then took all of the bodies and put them in comfortable sleeping positions in his room and covered them for, quote-unquote, warmth and protection, where they stayed for weeks until authorities discovered their remains. So I am extremely curious to hear your opinions on this letter and whether or not you believe it. To me, there are way too many questions and inconsistencies here. Anthony's behavior is absolutely beyond bizarre. Why is he washing his children's faces after discovering their bodies? Why did he say that there were no signs of a struggle when two out of his three children had stab wounds? Why did he move all of them into the bedroom to be together? Why did he let Megan die because he couldn't find a cell phone? And why did he wait weeks before the bodies were discovered? If the authorities hadn't found the bodies when they did, how long would they have been kept there? I also want to mention that this note wasn't the only time that Anthony had claimed that Megan had tried to murder their family. In multiple phone calls that Anthony had with his sister in March and April of this year, Anthony said, quote, "'There were multiple attempts, just so you know.' multiple attempts in the last over a time frame. There's been attempts, end quote, which again, to me, just adds on to the question of if there were multiple attempts of someone trying to murder your family, murder your children, why in the world are you not doing anything about it. Like what? If someone this just it makes no sense. Make it make sense. If someone is trying to murder your family, murder your children, or just put your children in danger, period. Why are you not doing anything about it? Which to me just adds on to the story that this whole Megan did it is just not true. So let's talk motive here from the perspective of Anthony. The big motive that people have looked at here when looking at Anthony is finances and money. Before the murders occurred in April 2019, Anthony had actually been under investigation by the FBI because there were allegations that Anthony's physical therapy business was engaging in a healthcare fraud scheme that involved the submission of fraudulent claims for physical therapy sessions to the Connecticut Medicaid program. Now, let me break that down because I know that to me when I first heard that, that made no sense to me. Ultimately, what that means is that Anthony was claiming that he was having more appointments than he actually was. Anthony was accused of billing Medicaid for tens of thousands of dollars worth of appointments that never actually took place. Anthony was also in about $200,000 worth of debt at the time of the murders. And when he was arrested for the murders, Anthony also admitted to the fraud. So he admitted to being a part of this Medicaid fraud scheme, but he said that Megan knew absolutely nothing about it. So, when I was talking about the arrest warrant earlier, this is what the arrest warrant was for. It was for the financial fraud that had taken place. Now, as of right now, Anthony is in custody awaiting trial, to which prosecutors have said that they are looking to seek the death penalty on Anthony, who, surprise surprise, has pleaded not guilty. Now, Anthony's defense attorneys have actually not spoken publicly about the claim Anthony made about Megan being the one responsible, so they have not spoken about that. So, this is going to be a case I know I for sure am going to keep an eye on as the trial begins and as more details begin to unfold. If you're curious about my personal belief or where I stand on this case, Anthony is guilty, a hundred percent. I think that he became overwhelmed with his financial situation and people have actually pointed out, which I thought this was very interesting, Anthony was four years old when he watched his mother's attempted murder and his daughter, Zoe, was also four years old when she was murdered. Now, is there any direct connection there? We don't know, but it is an interesting thing to note. I think, personally, Anthony was responsible for this. It really makes no sense to me otherwise. His whole story about the Benadryl pie may have made sense to me if just the other weird inconsistencies in this story didn't happen. He waited at least two weeks before the authorities discovered the bodies, and it wasn't even like he ended up contacting the authorities to tell them. The authorities had to come to his house and discover the bodies themselves which I can only imagine the day-to-day life of someone who was living in a house with four of their murdered family members. It just, it makes me, makes my skin crawl, honestly. And so because of that, I think that there is no way possible that Anthony was not responsible for this. And personally, this case reminds me a lot a lot, a lot of the Chris Watts case, as I'm sure some of you have picked up on that as we went through the murder of the family, the trying to pin it on the wife, the wife did it, but the wife's not here to defend herself and say that she didn't do it and so on and so forth. To me, this case screams Chris Watts. It's Chris Watts 2.0 in my opinion. So. I do believe that Anthony is guilty. However, I'm very open and eager to hear what you have to say about it and to hear what your opinions are. So make sure you email them into me to killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be going over them in next week's episode your comments, questions, theories, all of that. Because even though this case kind of seems like it's solved, Anthony is pled not guilty. There hasn't been a full conviction yet. So until then, this case technically is unsolved. So let me know what you think. And with that being said, you guys, that is all from me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button because it is free and we post weekly here every single Wednesday and you're not gonna wanna miss it. I will be back next week at this same time with a brand new episode for you guys and a brand new case. And until then, have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend and stay safe guys.